1: Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double
2: occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on carnival.com. Ships registry, Bahamas, Panama.
3: Honorary Forest Ranger Betty White here lending a hand to my dear friend Smokey Bear because for years he's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But there's a lot more to say. Like if you park your car on tall, dry grass, the hot exhaust pipe can start a wildfire. So keep the animals safe, especially the cute shirtless one. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Peace to the
1: planet. Charlemagne the God here. And you don't want to miss Hello Somebody with Senator Nina Turner on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I love Hello Somebody simply because I love Nina Turner. She's fearless.
3: I'm Nina Turner, hell-raising humanitarian, sister in the struggle, and recovering elected official. Listen to Hello Somebody every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I always tell people it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. And I always tell people to leave with their gifts and don't let your age, friends, family or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. As you know, my interviews provide to you or you are the consumer. And of course, you are business owners, access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is Stephen A. Smith. He is the recognized face of ESPN Sports because on ESPN, he hosts First Take, and Sports Center's NBA show hosted by Stephen A. Smith. He is a proud graduate of an HBCU, future book author, runs his own production company, and the executive producer of the hit ESPN Plus show, Stephen A.'s World. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation, my man, Stephen A. Smith. How you doing, Stephen A.?
0: What's going on, man? How you doing?
2: Yeah, I, I, I want to get this out the, out the way real early, Stephen. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, you travel between New York and Los Angeles, and I look at my phone and I get a text, and I see this guy, you know, crouching behind this car, you know, and he looks like he's a, 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 a police officer. He looks like he's acting on a soap opera, and I said, "That's my man, Brick. Hey, what's, what's going on here, Stephen? A? What do they have you doing on TV now, man?"
1: No, I mean, I got a recurring role on the soap opera General Hospital. My character's name is Brick. I'm a surveillance expert for the mob headed by Sonny Carinthos. Uh, in real life, his name is Maurice Bernard. His character in General Hospital is Sonny Carinthos. Um, his, his henchman, his right-hand man is Jason Morgan. And essentially, I work for and with, or really, really, pretty much with those guys. And uh, I was a surveillance expert for the mob, but this particular scene, um, I had to help out the henchman, Jason Morgan, so we had to break him out of prison. And uh, <laughs> I was the driver, but also, obviously, I was an enforcer myself, as you saw, because I had to shoot somebody and kill somebody, you know, in order to get him out of there safe and sound. That's how
2: it goes. Well, you know, we, we play around because just watching you act, you know, is, is fun to me, but you really take your acting, you don't believe you really have the talent to act. But we all know you have the talent. Why are you so humble about your acting?
1: Well, because I've never it's you know, I've got such profound respect for the thespians, the guys and the girls out there that, you know, the ladies out there that have done such a phenomenal job taking this profession seriously, studying it uh, from a very young age, going to school for it, learning the the, the tricks of the trades per se. Me, I've never done any of that. I'm a guy that's a sports announcer. I'm a sports uh, commentator and broadcaster. I'm a journalist. I've been a newspaper journalist and you know, before transitioning to radio and television uh, for the past 28 years. And so because I've never put the work into the profession, essentially what I do is go about the business of making sure that I memorize my lines to the best of my ability so I'm not a hindrance or an impediment to the success of the show Uh, In that regard, outside of that, I just follow their lead. I listen to what uh, Maurice Bernard and and Steve Burton who plays those characters that I mentioned earlier. I listen to what they tell me to do, um, how they tell me to do it, along with executive producer Frank Valentini. They all think I can act. They all think that I've done an incredible job. uh, But I give all praise to them because of how much they've helped me and how much they've embraced me being a part of the show. And that's where the humility comes in, because... They could have made it difficult if they wanted to. They never, ever, ever did it. Not for one second. They invited me on the show. They asked me to do it and they've been incredibly supportive. And I think that, you know, being a part of it has really, really helped me appreciate, you know, actors and actresses even more. It's allowed me to take that very uh, significantly more seriously. And now I am interested in learning more and doing it because it's something to be said about being able to play a character. And that character is allowed to do whatever they write for the character to do. And it's not held against you. You know, you can be you can be a killer. You can be a criminal. You could be Gandhi, for crying out loud. Whatever the role calls for, it's acting. And if you do it and you do it well, the public tends to appreciate the role that you're playing and then they leave you alone on a personal level. And that's a beautiful thing.
2: Well, here's the funny thing about you is that you're you're so talented, but you also uh, don't want to admit certain skill sets because I feel you're really funny. Okay, and the opportunities that come your way—you're funny on your show. You—I guess we can use the word sarcastic, which leads you to being funny. Can you, Stephen A. Smith, host Saturday Night Live?
1: I think I could host Saturday Night Live one night, but I think I would need the help of Pete Davidson and Chris Red and and all of those guys. I would definitely need their assistance. The only thing I ever worry about is the opening monologue. In terms of just playing a role or whatever for a show, whatever the case would be, I know I can do that. Um, I have aspirations to host late night television someday because I don't, you know, since Arsenio Hall has departed, I think there's been a gap in network television that hasn't been fulfilled. And I'm confident that I could be able to do that. But I would still need writers to help me with the opening monologue because I want to be as funny as I possibly can be. Am I confident that I can do these things? Sure. But I compare myself to the elite of the elite, the creme de la creme, because I'm not trying to be average or just good at anything that I choose to do as a profession. If I'm going to do it, my goal is to ultimately ascend to a point where I'm considered one of, if not the best at what I do. I strive for excellence constantly. And to me, anything short of it, um, I'm just another guy doing the job and I never want to be just another guy doing the job. And so. That's always my goal, to be elite at whatever it is that I choose to involve myself with and whatever I choose to do. And and that's really where it comes from, and that's, that's just my mindset all the time.
0: It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com.
1: If I could be
3: you.
0: And you could be me. For just one hour.
3: If you could find a way.
0: To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes.
3: Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk walk a mile mile in my my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some,
1: that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
3: Walk a mile in my shoes. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
2: So why are you so competitive? Because that sounds like a competitive mindset. What drives that? Is this the the ability of wanting to be number one or the fact growing up or in college, you didn't feel you got the right uh, credit for your accomplishment? What drives that
1: competitiveness? comes from it all. I got left back in fourth grade because I had a first grade reading level. I was called a dummy and I was, you know, I had guidance counselors and others laughing at the notion of me ultimately going on to get a college education Um, all my life. I've been doubted. I've been uh, marginalized and minimized to some degree, um, at least in the initial process. It, I, I don't recall a time ever where I've walked into a situation and the assumption was I was going to be great. I've always had to prove myself. So I combine that with the reality that we live in a capitalistic society. To the victors go the spoils. Uh, if you want something, if you want something bad, you're going to have to go get it. Rarely is it going to be handed to you. Almost never if you are a black man. And and understanding that reality and knowing those those obstacles that I'm going to face, ultimately somebody is chosen. No matter what profession it is, no matter what your job description is, no matter what your job title is, ultimately something, someone is chosen. And if you're chosen, it's usually at the expense of somebody else. And if somebody else is chosen, it's usually at the expense of you. So thereby, that reality alone brings into the equation competition. That's what competition is. And because that's the situation, I embrace it, I accept it because I know it's a reality that's never going to escape me in my lifetime with the world that we're living in. So since I embrace it, embrace competitive fervor, understand that you're competing with other people, understand that you're not the only one who wants what you want, but everybody can't get it. So put your best foot forward. And if you have to put your best foot forward in order to get what you want, that means you have to maximize your potential. Um, And that means you have to notice what your potential is and what it isn't. And so there's so many different steps that come with it. I understand it. I recognize it. I accept it. Um, and more importantly, I embrace it. I like the competition because if I do get the things that I want, it means I'm one of, if not the very best at what I do. And I will not apologize for liking to be the best.
2: Well, the well, that's true. I know that for a fact. But you went to an HBCU. And now mm-hmm. HBCUs, um, what would you say the reputation is of an HBCU? And then what did you get out of going to an HBCU?
1: Well, I think people outside of the world of HBCUs view it as black colleges and they stop right there. It's a place for black people to go to get their education because they probably weren't qualified to get into a predominantly white institution. I think that's the thought process of those outside of HBCUs. For those who have attended HBCUs, we know it's far more than that. Uh, Obviously, you have professors that are incredibly capable. You have administrative officials and the like who are incredibly uh, capable uh, from the chancellor on down. And so you have that going on. And then the student body itself. It's just a different environment because you're surrounded by people who look like you, who share your cultural identity. Obviously, a lot of your experiences Uh, that you may have endured growing up and beyond. And so as a result, you have a support system. You don't feel like you're uh, a dot in the ocean uh, of folks that don't look like you and don't share any kind of identity with you. You feel like you're a part of a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family. You have professors who don't just care about grades, they care about your well-being. They invest in you because you're one of them. And it's in their best interest to see you ascend and to see you succeed uh, to to light that maybe you didn't even imagine. And so, because you walk into that, there's actually added pressure. Sometimes it can be even a bit harder than you imagine because the interest in you elevates not just a pro- from a professional or an academic level, but to a personal level. They place a personal invested interest in you because they consider you an extension of them and therefore a reflection of them. And if you su- if you don't succeed, you're not only letting yourself down, you're letting those professions down, you're letting down the institution that rep- that you represent, and you're letting down HBCU folks everywhere because you're contributing to a stigma or a level of skepticism that people outside of HBCUs may have that is completely inaccurate, but you've attached a level of legitimacy to their skepticism and their cynicism. And so when you recognize that challenge, you've got to embrace uh, the reality that you're supposed to want to debunk those, those skeptics, those cynics at every turn. You want to show them that, indeed, this is what you can do. And so for me, I remember when I was working for the New York Daily News, before I worked for the New York Daily News, it was because I got offered an internship with the Met Pro internship program. And that was a collaboration between New York Newsday and Los Angeles Times Daily Newspapers, where they were taking interns from all over the country and employing them uh, throughout their various papers throughout the country. And there it, it was 24 candidates. I'm sorry, it was 24 people that was chosen, but over 3,000 candidates. I was one of the 24. Wow. And you had people that went to Columbia, University of Columbia, Missouri, um, you know, Columbia and New York, Ivy League schools, USC, UCLA, Northwestern, various other journalism programs, and they had incredible grades. What I had was 250 published clips before I even graduated, because I had interned at the Winston-Salem Journal, the Greensboro News and Record, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, back at the the, uh, Winston-Salem Journal, plus I had written for the school newspaper, before I ever graduated. Because I understood that coming from an HBCU, what I was going up against, I understood that I had to do a little extra and I had to be a little bit different in order to put my foot forward and to really stand out, to make sure I wasn't just a name on a resume. You knew exactly who the hell I was. And that's what I went about the business of accomplishing. accomplishing. I did it and I beat out those people. And it was really an indication of what was to come because I realized throughout my career, I would have to face similar challenges and I would have to overcome similar similar obstacles in order to get to where I wanted to be. And that's what I did. Well, that statement allows me to transition to, I like to call it the
2: book, the memoir. Why is that important to get your stories on paper? And then you've been approached by a major publishing company and um, given an opportunity to tell your story. Why is your story important and how will it help people when
1: they read about your story? <sighs> Because the people who are closest to me, the people who love me, uh, the people who have known me for a very long time, my family, my friends, people like you, mm-hmm. um, y'all insisted on that. I was actually reluctant and hesitant to write my own book for a very, very long time. I literally said, although I had a national television show that's been number one in the morning for nine years and counting, um, I literally, and I was an, I've been an NBA analyst and obviously my success at ESPN Speaks for Itself I literally was saying, why would anybody want to read a book from me? And so many people came forward like, what the hell are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Everybody needs to hear your story. Everybody needs to hear what you endured, what you had to experience, what you had to go through to get to this place that you're here now. What you succeeded has been some unprecedented stuff to once be let go by ESPN just a decade ago and to return and to be their number one guy. At the network, the face of the network, just 10 years removed from them letting you go and saying goodbye. This is some unprecedented stuff for you to get left back because you couldn't read, you couldn't comprehend what you were reading as a fourth grader with a first grade reading level. And to excel in the field of journalism and broadcasting, that's some unprecedented stuff. To be the figure that you are where you walk into arenas and you're more popular than most of the athletes, this is unbelievable. You've got a story to tell. And it took a lot of convincing over the years. But I do think at this particular juncture, this particular moment in time, now is the time. Now is the time to just sit back and to tell the world who I am, what I've endured, what I, where I've come from and how I got here. You know, when people look at me and they used to say I'm angry and I take myself too seriously, I was like, first of all, they don't know me because I know how to laugh and smile and tell jokes. just like the best of them. Uh, but in the same breath, you know, what would you feel like if you were conquering one obstacle after another and you were called an affirmative action higher? that the only reason why you got this job is because you're black. That if you were a white guy, you know what, it wouldn't have happened for you like that. You know, it's just that we're living in a different age and stuff like that, where people are catering and capitulating to African-Americans and stuff like that. This is what I've been told. This is what has been written to me. Death threats that have come my way and stuff like that. I've gone through a lot uh, because I've succeeded, Uh, because people didn't want me to be in the position that I'm in. And a lot of times what I'm saying It's not that people have a problem with what I'm saying. They have a problem that my black behind is in the position that I'm in to say it and to disseminate and have a reach that spans tens of millions of people. They have a problem with that. And so when you face those challenges on a day to day basis and you are just flummoxed and inundated with people coming your way. And it's not just the people who support you. It's cynics and skeptics who want to hate on you. The list goes on and on and you're still standing. But you're not an athlete. You're not a rap artist. You know, you're not an actor or an actress. No, this is what this is what you're doing. You did it as a journalist. Um, There's a story to be told there. I finally was convinced that there's a story to be told there. I'm passionate more than ever before about telling that story. And I'm looking forward to doing it.
3: And connect with this. We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
2: Stephen A's World. That's what we're talking about right now. ESPN Plus, the number one new show. Ratings are on fire right now. And it's about you. Is there pressure because it's about you or is the fun of that it is about you and your vision on a daily basis? Talk about it's Stephen A's world.
1: It's both. Uh, it's, it's definitely fun because I don't run from the responsibility of controlling my own destiny. A matter of fact, the challenge for me is to have to lean on others to control my destiny, uh, to, to make sure that what I produce Is is top notch and it's a quality, it's a quality programming and what have you to be the executive producer, to be the production company, co-producing it in concert with ESPN is an incredibly, incredibly big deal because I think it's going to open doors uh, for myself, for you as my partner, as my Mm -hmm. business manager, uh, you know, for my family uh, that I never, never would have dreamed could have been open. So in that regard, it's definitely fun. It's about me. And I got that part. Uh, but it's an immense amount of pressure. There's no question about it. But if pressure phases you, then I'm in the wrong business. Um, <laughs> this is what I live for. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I'm not scared to fail. I'm scared if I didn't do all it took to succeed. I'm scared if I took shortcuts. I'm scared of, of, of not making sure that I prepare myself for the opportunities that are going to come my way. But I believe that if I'm at my best, with anything that I'm doing, no one can stop me. Very much. In a meritocracy environment, mm-hmm. um, if in an environment based on merit. Mm-hmm. If you want to get political, and there's the figurative, proverbial glass ceiling that's hovering over me, where I can't see where the darts and arrows are coming from, and people are backdooring and and, and and cheating and being shady in their mission to keep me down or to precipitate my demise, that would be different. But in terms of the merit where you show me what the obstacles are, you give me a fair opportunity to excel. I believe that my A game is just as good, if not better, than anybody on this planet. And that's how I approach things. When I'm in front of that camera, you know, I believe I'm the Michael Jordan of television. I truly do. And I'm talking about, you know, sports television to be exact. Mm -hmm. I believe I'm the Michael Jordan of, of television. And I'll show you how literal I am with it. I just spoke to Michael Jordan yesterday. And I told him yesterday, I'm the Michael Jordan of television, of sports television. I really feel that way. And what, did say? Say what, that, did what did he say? And the reason why I say that is not because I think I'm better, per se. It's just I feel I can't be stopped.
2: Cool. Uh, so what did Michael Jordan say when you said you're the Michael Jordan of
1: he started laughing. He started laughing. He said, "You crazy? You son of those, boy, boy, you crazy!" And but he was on the golf course, so he said he had to go. But um, you know, he I knew he had to go. But that that's the kind of conversations um that you know you know I've had because you know I don't think you know I over, when I give speeches rather I tell people this all the time. I'm brilliant because I know I'm not. I steal from people who are brilliant. I learn from them, and I learn successful habits. I learn what to eradicate and dismiss, and then I move forward. Oh. That's what I do. And so for me, um, that's where it's at. That's where I'm coming from. And, uh, you know, that's the approach that I have with everything that I do. I'm going to ask two questions I'm going to ask you. It's the same subject matter. It's about
2: being able to um, dominate and become a, a force in social media. That's one. And mm-hmm. then the popularity of baby Stephen A. Yep. Those two things tend to intertwine, but they've they've taken you to another level on the social media side and then on the baby Stephen A side. Talk about those two brands.
1: Well, for me, uh, baby, baby Stephen A, I take I give all the credit to the folks at social media because about a year or so ago, you know, they attached the baby face meme to my face. And it was kind of funny. You know, it was hilarious, actually. And I said, you know what? That's something that I want to do. So periodically on social media, um, I threw that out there um, and folks loved it. And because they loved it, you know, once I started my show, I said, you know what? It has to be. You know, it has to be on the show like an alter ego of mine or whatever because baby Stephen A. is arguing with Stephen A. all the time. You know, he challenges me even though he's a baby, you know, indicative of today's generation of youth where they come at you and they think they know everything. Breath smelling like Similac wet behind the ears. They don't know a damn thing yet because they're too young, but they think they know everything just like I thought I knew everything when I was younger. You know, all of those kind of things. And So I just incorporate some of those things into it and it's just taking off and it's really, really funny the way they did digitize everything. It makes it look like the baby face and all of that stuff. So that's great. Um, but in terms of everything else, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm from Hollis, Queens, man, New York City. And I went to an HBCU, to salem State. I grew up in the streets of New York City. I have four older sisters. I got 13, nie- I'm sorry, 15 nieces and nephews. You know, the greatest mom in the world, God rest her soul, who passed away in 2017. And, and you know, my dad that passed away, you know, 16 months later, stuff like that. There's a lot of family stories that I could tell. A lot of us can do that where I can imitate my mother. I can imitate my sisters or I peel a lot of ideas from my personal experiences growing up, not just in terms of voices, diction, cadence, how people talk to you, how they deliver certain things, stuff like that Um, in terms of speaking to you. All of those things contribute to characters that I try to bring and incorporate on my show. Because I think those, I think there's a lot of fun memories and stuff like that. Like, for example, I got one of my boys, literally, literally, Rashawn, this is the absolute truth. One of my boys literally was sucking his thumb until he was 42 years old. (laughs) I mean, I ain't even bring him to the screen yet. I mean, he was one (laughs) of those guys. And he was like, Steve, yo, Steve, yo, you tripping. (laughs) It was stuff like that. And so, you know, I'm like, just imagine if somebody like that was on TV, people would be crying laughing. He a grown man, but he, <laughs> he just stopped sucking his thumb a decade ago, literally a decade ago. Oh, he was God. sucking his thumb through college. He never stopped. And it's just I, I like they have no idea, you know, the kind of guys that I grew up with, the kind of people that I've been around, the personalities. So it's always it's always easy for me to peel compelling stories. And you've been around me, they'll just pop into my head, right. something that was remind me or something, and I'll tell a story of what I experienced and what I endured. And all of those experiences contribute To me, putting forth a product on the screen that everybody can see that I think will make people laugh, bring a little bit of levity to the situation uh, and, and just let people know I'm trying to make them laugh, trying to make them have a good time and enjoy watching me. Even though I do have a serious personality, I do like to laugh. I do like to have fun. I do like to make other people smile when I can. And so that's just the kind of things that I try to bring to my show.
2: The ultimate goal, late night talk. And seeing you do interviews on Stephen A's World and seeing, I've seen, you know, first of all, you're talented at it. Let's get that out the way. But seeing the people that you don't know and uh, going into genres that you're not familiar with and then familiarizing yourself with their their work and interviewing them and then seeing people come back on your show. What pride do you take in watching that growth of your show and seeing these major stars come on your show which is on the ESPN Plus platform, which is sports driven, but they're ignoring it coming to talk to Stephen A. Smith.
1: I'm proud of it, but I'm even cute. And the reason why I'm even cute, like, you know, there's sometimes you, my sisters and others be like, man, you should be far more excited. I mean, my God, the numbers that you're bringing in uh, to ESPN Plus now what you've contributed to subscriptions, what, you know, what you're doing on linear television with First Take and SportsCenter and SportsCenter with Stephen A and blah, 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 blah. What people don't realize is that, you know, I, I peel it from what Denzel Washington once told me. You know, I asked him, what was the best film he ever made? His answer was the next one. He said, the work that I do, he said, is the work that I do, the finished product, And all the accolades and adulation and celebration and everything else that comes with it is for all of you all to do. He said, this is my profession. And so what I do is I'm about the business of doing the best work I can possibly do. That's where he's at. For me where that elevates to another level is that he's a Supreme movie star. I'm in television. I'm not doing a show twice a month, once a week. I'm doing it every day. So I don't have the, in my mind, I don't have the luxury of sitting back and just enjoying, you know, what everybody else is celebrating. Wow, Wow. it's a great show. It's this, it's that. All that says to me is, I got to give it to them tomorrow too. Mm -hmm. I got to give it to them Friday. And then I got to give it to them next week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. I focus on the task at hand because I'm the one that has to perform. You know, I can sit up there. Rashawn McDonald is a brilliant business manager, incredible with ideas, very focused, you know, meticulous with scheduling and the like. There's so many things that you handle uh, that make my life easier. My assistant, Sumatra Hawkins, does a sensational job of that as well, as well as you well know. My sister is like my sister. Carmen is like my ace even though Linda and Arlen and Abigail, we're close too, you know, but I have, I have all of these people around me along with my boys that I grew up with, my boys from college. I got an incredible inner circle, not to mention the people that I know in the world of sports that I've learned to cultivate relationships with and they become dear friends of mine and loved ones. I'm surrounded by a lot of people and it's a great, great thing to see. But in the end, I'm the one that has to step in front of that camera and that microphone and do the job. And I can't let everybody else down and myself down by being caught up in what I've done that I forget what I have to do. And I think that that's the reason that my bosses support me so much, because they have to think that way, too. ESPN is the worldwide leader. they're, They're the behemoth. They can't walk around saying we're the behemoth, we're the worldwide leader, so we don't have to do anything. They have to come to work every day striving to live up to a standard that they've set. And the people that they entrust has to have the same mentality as well. And so what I try to do is to make sure that I'm, I prove that I'm trustworthy. When they pay me this latest contract and we agreed to it, that contract is through June of 2025. They, has, they essentially said, we trust that what you gave us To earn this contract here, you're going to continue to give us for years to come. And it's my job to make sure I don't let them down by making them out to be liars. That's the approach that I have. That's how I focus. um, And that's how I go about doing my job all the time. Cool. Stephen A., thank you for coming on Money
2: Making Conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Cool. If you want to hear or see any of my interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or my YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald.
1: And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Mama, what does the chicken
3: say? Uh, dog. Cat. cat.
0: Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh,
3: giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail know the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right.
2: Visit NHTSA.gov
3: slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.